Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. It's 1984, and outside a small-town nightclub, a group of eighth graders gather grappling with a spate of recent suicides, UFO sightings, their absentee parents, and each other. 18 to Party spans a single evening in the lives of these kids, but manages to transport us fully to a time when waiting for something to happen felt just as significant as the thing itself. That is the truth. Gorgeously atmospheric and with pulsating sense of anticipation that Steadily builds, the film pulls us into fears, wounds, and desires of each of these characters. Again, the film is called 18 to Party, and we're joined today by the writer and the director, and that would be Jeff Rhoda. Jeff, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. It's great. It's great, it's great to be here and meet you. Yeah, thank you. And well, just reading that introduction just reminds me of just how specific the film is and how well it captures what I definitely remember as that point in my life when just hanging around a bunch of kids talking about things that seem so important and so significant and so kind of relatory to 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 me and to the people I was talking about things that mattered really mattered to me and that's what I think this film so um, beautifully captures what was the inspiration for 18 to party um, the inspiration, uh, the the autobiographical inspiration was growing up in an area in, in the outer suburbs and more upstate New York, not upstate, upstate, but north. You know, I, 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 it was a very small community and I was a fifth or sixth grader and, uh, and the high school up to 12th grade, we were all in the same building. Uh, as a kid, you know, when you're 13 or 12, you know, uh, an 18 year old or 19 year old is like a 40 year old, like, you know, <laughs> you know, and so... At that time, uh, there were a lot of um, there were a lot of accidents. There were a lot of strange incidences, and worse. And and sadly, there was a, a, a spate of suicides in the school and in the community of kids. And when you're a kid, you just don't understand. You just hear things like come down. But it was just something that it always it just lived with me for many many years. And I think over the course of time, it meant something different to me. And as I, as a Generation Xer and someone who has a lot of opinions about generations and mostly the preceding generations, I really wanted to explore that and say, hey, like what was going on at that time and, and what happened to these kids? And in the more micro sense, you know, my story of being a latchkey kid with divorced family and a single mom and a stepfather that came in who kind of sucked and, and, uh, like that all came from my life. And it seemed like one of those things that was familiar to other people. So I just went for it and I did that. And so that's the inspiration you mean, or do you mean creatively? Well, either one. I mean, the, yeah. I, I, that's, that's a great um, explanation of, of where this came from. But you're a filmmaker. Were there other sort of, maybe there's some cinematic references when you oh, were sure. thinking I mean, about how to structure yeah. this and how to put it all together? You know, I think there's always these moments, I don't know how you are as a creative person or, or people who are listening, that you see something and you think like, oh, because I just saw that, I think I can do what I want to do, you know, and uh, there's a Swedish director, there is, named Lucas Moodyson, he's made these wonderful films, and uh, he did a film called Together, came out in 2001, 
And when I saw that, I said, I think I can do something like that. You know, it was small and it was meaningful. And it was one of the best movies I had ever seen and nothing really happened. And so starting there and then starting with like Andrea Arnold's films, you know, which I really get into. And then in the theater world, like I, I mean, O'Neill, you know what I mean? Waiting for something, you know, Godot, uh, Thornton Wilder, you know, Our Town, other things, highbrow and then lowbrow things like high school rock and roll parking lot, which is this thing that not a lot of people have seen, but it's this 15 minute incidental documentary of kids outside a Judas Priest concert in the parking lot getting interviewed. It's 15 minutes long and it's sublime. It's great. It's from 1986, you know, so kind of the highbrow, the lowbrow, a lot of different things sort of like uh, influenced what this became. And the particular year that we're talking about, 1984, it was uh, an interesting year culturally. This was the I'll go back to sort of the big picture stuff, the, the uh, re-election of Ronald Reagan, um, the kind of the dawning. Well, it was not punk was sort of in its decline. I think a lot of bands were that were influential were dying off from that era. And then you were starting to see and it's referenced in the film. So it's not that I'm that smart, but you were seeing groups like U2 and others begin to emerge as sort of the the uh, the anthem oriented band for youth for a lot of people. And there was a, there was a lot of stuff going on culturally in the mid eighties. And uh, I think the eighties and the eighties are, isn't the mid eighties particularly are, are part of American culture that still resonate to this day in many ways. Very much so. I like the idea of kids just talking about in some way, nothing, but it's, but it to them in that moment, it seems particularly relevant. You mentioned some films, you know, Strangers in Paradise, uh, I thought was one, another film for me, when I saw that film, I thought I could do that. Mm -hmm. Not in, in any way to diminish what Jim Jarmusch did, but just, oh, that's the kind of movie I want to make. I want to make a film. Not a whole lot happens, but everything in the world to those people is going on. So, and that's where this feels like. Yeah. In the sense that these are things that in those moments, when you're at that point in your life, when you're in high school and you're starting to see the world around you in ways that you never really thought about before, everything seems important. Exactly. And that's what, again, and these these actors that you pull in, I, there's there's at least eight to 10 actors in this film that have real screen time and real character development. So I guess my question would be, how did you sort of begin to piece this film together, finding the location, which I thought was great. How did you, how did that all come together with this very talented cast of uh, young actors? Very good producing, uh, very good producers and committed producers. Um, uh, the cast was, you know, I guess, I guess the easiest history is that, you know, this originated as a play and, uh, um, and it's a play that I had workshopped at, uh, um, at uh, um, Williamstown Theater Festival. And, uh, and it, it never came together. It's impossible to get a, a, a play with 11 kids up, you know, it's just, it's just really hard. And so it was sort of reverse engineered. And, um, I, uh, and so I knew with the way that I had written it, that it was, you know, it was certainly stylized in a way. Um, and I knew that because of that workshop and seeing 22 year old people play these roles, I knew that, that it would only work if 13 year olds were playing 13 year olds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
and so and so in the casting process, we had a great casting director, and um, you know she put a lot. I mean, there are hundreds of people we saw, and so it was really kind of for me the challenge was mixing and matching, and and you know there's a few kids in the cast that have a lot of experience, and there's some that literally have no experience, have never been in front of a camera before, you know, and so you know some of those play off each other a lot, and often if you don't have experience and you're playing off someone that has experience, that helps you a great deal. You know, you understand what you're doing, what you have to do um, just by playing off another actor, you know? Um, and yeah, so it's nine or 10 kids and, uh, you know, we rehearsed a lot and it was a 15 day shoot. And, you know, the running joke was I originally when I met the producers after they read it, I said, look, I know I'm not supposed to say this but this might not work, <laughs> you know? this. this this might not work. And, uh, and I think they liked hearing that because a lot had to come together. And once we were prepared, like any kind of smaller movie, you don't know if you're shooting until the day you're shooting. And, and you know, finding that location that you spoke of, that location was in Staten Island. And, uh, um, and it was, we got it like two days before we started shooting and it was beyond our wildest dreams in terms of, you know, what we were looking for, which was basically a wall you know, um, and we found this really great place that's textured and has dimensions and, and, uh, um, and that's, and it just, it, again, it was just the, it was just dumb luck really. And, yeah. um, no, yeah. that's a terrific spot. Just as you said, it's got a, it's kind of a loading dock area. Yeah. There's the club that they're going to go into. You've got a kind of a, it looked like you have a forested area nearby. There's a lot of ways for a filmmaker to really use that as a nice uh, sort of canvas for what you're, what you're trying to do with this film. Sure. The forest uh, was a different location. I had a that, feeling you were going to say that, but I thought I'd throw that in. No, that, was, that was a different location. Um, that, that, was, that was the only place. The rest of it all, you know, we just shot the same exact place. But, yeah, we got very lucky. Uh, it was a really great place. And we had this, and Grace Jordana, who shot the movie, the cinematographer, she's so talented. And if you give a talented person even a little bit of, of, of spatial opportunity, they're going to use it. They're going to find a way. To, to take advantage of it. And she, she did an extraordinary job because it's a very deceptively difficult movie to shoot, you know, and uh, in terms of coverage, when you're, when you're bouncing around, you know, it's not three people having a conversation, it's nine, you know, and, uh, right. um, and it's not around a dinner table, you know, so it's, it's, it's mathematical and keeping up with it. And you don't even know if you got everything until you're sitting in the editing room. And, and maybe there is once or twice where, it was like, hey, well, we do, do we have this, do we have this direction, you know, or this angle? And we didn't, that's it, that out of hundreds, you know, so it was right. like largely due to her, her professionalism, you know. Well, um, well, I'd like to remind our listeners that we're speaking with Jeff Rhoda. His film is called 18 to Party. So the film is coming out uh, Friday, no uh, November 6th. Where can people see it? Uh, on November 6th, there is a uh, it's the virtual premiere that um, is going to be happening at Alamo Draft House's virtual theater. Um, and uh, that's the premiere on November, Friday, November 6th. Um, oh. So Friday, November 6th, uh, you could find it um, uh, 18toparty.com, uh, I think. There's 18toparty hashtag on, on Instagram, 18toparty on Facebook. And, and there's a click through to the... Um, 
Alamo Draft House virtual cinema where you buy a ticket and, and that's gonna be the premiere. That's gonna be the first time it's, it's the first public uh, uh, screening of it. And then it's going to Lamley's virtual theater also. And this goes on for about a month. And then starting on December 1st, it's on you know Amazon Prime and, Prime and iTunes and other VOD, you know? Great. Great, thank you for that. And eighteen to partymovie.com is the is the website. Virtual release on Al Alamo. Virtual release on Lemley, which is a big player out here on the West Coast. And yeah. then obviously look for it on the VOD platforms. The usual suspects, as I like to say. Sure. When you were talking earlier about whether or not this would work or not work, I'm curious if it was a result of the anxiety you would have had around pulling together this many young actors together to work in close quarters to really be able to kind of develop their characters in a way that really works? Was it the physical location? What were the things that you were most concerned about? Because the finished product looks great and sounds well, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think everything, you know, I think that, you know, I came from a journeyman screenwriting career in, in Hollywood, you know, and when you're working in that world, you're working for directors and studios and pseudo executives and producers and bigger is always the thing. Raise the stakes, make this bigger. And, uh, and so you lose a lot from that. And so, you know, what I wanted to do was to show how high stakes smaller things were to younger kids, you know, and because of that, I didn't know if that would quite work on screen. I didn't know if we were going to be able to find kids that could occupy the same space, you know, literally and figuratively at the same time and be prepared in the same way with as much rehearsal as possible. Um, and you still don't know. You still don't know until the camera starts rolling on the first day. And uh, also, I didn't know if we could use kids that were 13 or 14, because like I said, a lot of films will use 16, 17, 18 year olds to play 13 just out of uh, 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 budgetary reasons, you know? Um, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. This film doesn't work if the kids are, are a little bit too old and a little bit too precocious and, 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 and stuff like that. So I didn't know if we were gonna be able to get that. I didn't know if we were going to be able to make it compelling. I didn't know if a producer would want to make a movie that was, you know, a movie about 13 year olds that was rated R, you know, but that, didn't really, I guess ratings don't really matter anymore, actually, but uh, no, which is great. Um, there were just a lot of things going against it. And, and again, I think oddly, because of the sort of precociousness, I think of the producers, the more things that I laid out that make things hard, they said, you know what? Well, it sounds like the landing strip for this movie is really, and a lot of stuff is going to have to come together to make it work. And I think that's really exciting because in a really low concept way, it's pretty high concept, you know, and, and it's like, how do you make this 80 minutes be compelling um, in a static situation, you know, and you know, it can be done. Um, it's like, but it, but it's tricky, you know, and, and it takes, and it really does take a village and, and it started, like you said, with the kids and the kids just, I mean, oh man, they, they, they just killed this. They were fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, they are really, really good. Um, I and if I start down this list, I feel like I'm going to leave somebody out. But Olivia Clark's terrific. Tanner Flood, James Friedson Jackson as Lanky was a pivotal character. He's he's not in it a lot, but he's 
he's a catalyst for a lot of things that happen with the other characters. Uh, Oliver Gifford plays Brad. Nolan Lyons plays Dean. Sam McCarthy, Peter. Ivy Miller, Kira. Taylor Richardson, Missy. Uh, Erica Schutz. Schutz. Yeah. Uh, Eric, Eric Schutz uh, plays James and so on and so forth. And uh, I, I just uh, was taken by, uh, yeah, it's hard to really... I mean, Shell is a pretty main character. Amy, obviously, Missy. There's a lot of there's a lot of the back and forth. Well, that's another thing. The dialogue in the film is sharp. These are what kids say to one another. It's sometimes it's cruel and uh, biting and hurtful, and other times it's not. You know, kids say things all to to each other on a pretty regular basis. It's pretty bad to each other, but. Sure. Uh, Instead of fists, they use words, and that certainly takes place in this in this film, uh, eighteen to party. I don't know if I just a comment, really. I don't know if I have a question here. I just thought the the dialogue, which is so key, really works very well. Thank you. I'm glad yeah. that you yeah. liked it. What's been the reaction? How have is this screened? I know it's screened at a couple of film festivals, and it's done pretty well. How, what's the reaction been? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's been a three film festivals that we were at Liverpool in England last week and we won film of the festival. We won best feature and we won best director. And, uh, and right before that was the Florida film festival and it won the special jury prize for ensemble cast. So, um, you know, it's, it's, the reception has been really, really good. The reviews have been really great. And uh, which is, it's just so exciting. You know, that part's really exciting. And, and, uh, because there's a certain maturity to the reviews that that um, I mean most people really understand what it is and so the reviews again it's a crowded space out there in the world for films to to find uh, find you know find some daylight and get some people talking about them and and we knew that like we were really going to like that that so-so reviews weren't going to cut it and we've gotten some extraordinary reviews. You know, we got one today from a critic who said it was in his top three films of the year, which is great. And and um, so it's just it's really exciting, and the kids are really excited. And I mean, the feedback's been really great. You know, hopefully it continues, and and uh, hopefully it 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 resonates. You know, I I think what's been really exciting is that kids like it. They really like it, and and we didn't know if that was going to happen. I think seeing kids talk because if nine kids were hanging around the back of a club now today they would just be looking at their phone and that's it you know so it's a time when people had to talk to each other and had to relate to each other when they didn't really have the tools to relate with each other they're talking around each other and past each other and and I think what people feel about the film and how I feel about Generation X is there's something really tribal about it they're all different. They're all different kinds of kids. And in a way, they're, they're a family in, in this weird, strange way. And I kind of think of Generation X like that as the, smaller, the smallest generation right now and, and put upon generation. And, um, and there is something tribal and communal about it, too. And so, you know, I think people have responded to that a little bit. And so that, that's made me feel really good, you know. Oh. That's awesome. That's great. It's great to hear about the reaction. You say it's a crowded field, but um, I've been saying to uh, other filmmakers, and that is one advantage that filmmakers have today that they wouldn't have had a year and a half ago, and that is 
that you would have been dealing with movies that would essentially block out the sun in terms of people's attention, right? $100 million, $50 million slick ad campaigns for a film that's opening, you know, over the next, uh, over Christmas or New Year's or whatever it is, those big tentpole kind of movies tended to just obliterate any attention. A lot of films like yourself, like 18 to Party would have gotten. But today we flattened out the, the, the playing field in some ways. When people go online, they're not dealing with a $100 million ad campaign. They're dealing with just what they see in front of them and are trying to use their best instincts to figure out if they're going to like the movie or not. And I think yeah. that gives you a, a real advantage. I, you know, it's funny. You've, uh, you've, what you just said has come out of my mouth so many times and only a little recently has, has it pivoted a little bit. You know, the one thing, of course, that's absolutely true is that when I see a commercial that a film, I saw one yesterday, they said in theaters on Friday, I was like, in theaters where? Who's going? You know? <laughs> like, what planet? Is, you know, and so in that way, there's no question that the, the, the playing field is leveled in that there's a $300 million movie against your film. But right now, I think the studios are kind of stuck because they're like, you know what, if we have a $300 million movie that we made in order to make a billion dollars, we're not putting that on VOD. They're kind of like, I don't really know what to do. It's funny because when you're, when you're, it's a David and Goliath kind of thing. And no matter what happens, you still have that dynamic in that even on the VOD platforms, it's really crowded in that, yes, people can decide, but there's a thousand movies to decide from and you don't have an ad campaign. So it's like you could, you know, release your movie on VOD and, and a studio could release theirs and they'll have $30 million to do advertising and you have $3,000 to do it. What's exciting is that that $3,000 can go a long way. It can reach a million people, that $3,000, if you're doing it the right way, you know, and we have a company that's doing it for us and they're doing extraordinary jobs. And so between that and a publicist who's able to get reviews, and that's an important thing too, because you kind of have to like earn your way to get reviewed. And, you know, once you get, it's like a gauntlet, you know, so you can get people see it. And then if that reaction is good, a critic could be like, okay, I'll see that. And then if those reviews are really good, you get to go to the next step. And then all of a sudden it's a film that critics can't ignore. And yeah. so the bigger critics have to say, you know, if you get a few places saying that this is their top five or top 10 film of the year, it's like almost your responsibility to, to, to watch it and to, you know, and review it. And so in that way, and the other thing that, that there is an advantage is that this film was supposed to come out in May and it was going to be in small theaters, a small release in New York and L.A. And my experience with films like that are that these films go into a few small theaters in, in, in these big cities. Maybe they get reviewed. There's no PR at all, you know. And even if it's reviewed well, it opens and it'll do $300 a screen. It'll be gone in one week. And that's it. That's like the life of it. And so what seems exciting to be in theaters, you know, and the vanity of being in theaters, you know, it's just like, oh, that would have been cool. And now it's like we have, you know, Lemley and, and uh, uh, it's almost like they become distributors in a way. And Alamo Drafthouse is a great theater chain and Lemley is a great theater chain. And now they're showing their films, they, they're showing their films on their virtual theater. And so, you know, we get to be there. And then after it's released this weekend, we have that whole month before the VOD release on December 1st 
to get more reviews. And if those reviews continue to build, then all of a sudden people can talk about your movie in a more serious way. And then right. by the time it's VOD, it happens. And that could never happen. You know, it could never happen with the old model. You know, I mean, so you bring up like a really, really good point. And the review thing's hard because a lot of papers and places have done as furloughed a lot of critics, you know, and, you know, these critics that are there, if there's one or two critics for a newspaper, they're getting flooded with 30 films a week and 20 of them are from Netflix and Amazon. It's right. really, really hard to get in there. And it used to be that critics didn't like to hear what other critics said before they reviewed their film. And now I think it, it sometimes that can help them just decide to film, review your film. It's right. like, oh, these people really like it, so I'm going to review it now, you know, and I'll right. see if I like it. So we have a chance. That's that's all we wanted was a chance, you know, and and uh, and we'll see what happens with it, you know. I agree with everything you said. I think there is something about a kind of getting to a a certain level of of profile for a film, a certain mm -hmm. recognition level, like you get to. And and then above that, it's then we're that's when we're talking about the major ad campaigns for films that just like a studio release that was a hundred million dollar, seventy million or fifty million dollar movie that has sure. to make a certain amount of money. With a film like yours, it's not like there's going to be a sequel or there you know this there's not going to be conventions for eighteen to party. There's just, so your 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 scale is much different. And so, and if, but if you can get to that threshold of recognition, mm -hmm. then you've got as good a chance as anybody. Yeah, no, you're right. As good as chance as anyone, you know? Yeah, so, and it's worth it. And I'm telling people who are listening to our voices that it's definitely something you should check out. It is, it, it's like a lot of films that we were talking about earlier. It's, it's kids talking about things that, that used to matter to all of us when we were growing up. And it's easy to forget that these uh, were important and also that they're, they're foundational to who we are, like they shape us. And, um, and I think that it's a cool film and it's well done and it's well acted and it's very relatable. Trying to get into a club that you, you're probably not going to get into, hanging out with your friends, doing stupid stuff to, in, to each other and with each other. And all of those things, they, um, yeah, it's a cool film. I really enjoyed it. Check it out, people. Check it out. Go to uh, 18topartymovie.com. You can find out more about it there. And then as you were talking about, we got Alamo uh, Drafthouse as a virtual release, Limley as a theaters as a, as a virtual release. And then in a few weeks, you can be looking for it on VOD. Yeah. Is that all fair? Then we get it all? Sounds good, Mike. Writer, director, Jeff Rhoda, thank you so very much for spending some time with us here on Film School Radio. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music